Uh, Lord God, you are the one who uh, gives us uh, every day, whether it's a sunny day or a cloudy day, whether it's warm or cool, rain or snow. Lord God, we acknowledge that you uh, are, do good things uh, and you are sustaining us and keeping us even in the midst of trials and suffering and persecution and uh, sickness. You keep us, Lord, and um, so we give you thanks. We thank you that we have time to read this chapter today. Today, uh, We pray all this because we are sure and confident that Christ is Lord and the Son of God. Amen. Okay, we're reading James Harriet, chapter 27 of uh, All Creatures Great and Small, St. Martin's Press, 1972. It was during one of Siegfried's efficiency drives that Colonel Merrick's cow picked up a wire. The colonel was a personal friend, which made things even more uncomfortable. Everybody suffered when Siegfried had these spells. They usually came on after he had been reading a technical work or when he had seen a film of some new technical procedure. He would rampage around, calling on the cowering household to stir themselves and be better men. He would be obsessed, for a time, with a craving for perfection. We must put on a better show with these operations on the farms. It just isn't good enough to fish out a few old instruments from a bag and start hacking at the animal. We must have cleanliness, a sepsis if possible, and an orderly technique. So he was jubilant when he diagnosed traumatic reticulitis, that means a foreign body in the second stomach, in the colonel's cow. We'll really show old Hubert something. We'll give him a picture of veterinary surgery he'll never forget. Tristan and I were pressed into service as assistants, and our arrival at the farm was really impressive. Siegfried led the procession, looking unusually smart in a brand new tweed jacket, of which he was very proud. He was a debonair figure as he shook hands with his friend. The colonel was jovial. Here you're going to operate on my cow. Take out a wire, eh? Like to watch you do it if it's all right with you. By all means, Hubert, please do. You'll find it very interesting. In the byre, Tristan and I had to bustle about. We arranged tables alongside the cow, and on these we replaced new metal trays with rows of shining sterilized instruments. Scalpels, directors, probes, artery forceps, hypodermic syringes, suture needles, gut and silk and glass files, rolls of cotton wool, and various bottles of spirit and other antiseptics. Siegfried Foster Brown, happy as a schoolboy. He had clever hands, and as a surgeon, he was worth watching. I could read his mind without much trouble. This, he was thinking, was going to be good. When all was to his liking, he took off his jacket and donned a brilliantly white smock. He handed the jacket to Tristan and almost instantly gave a roar of anger. Hey, don't just throw it down on the, that meal bin. Here, give it to me. I'll find a safe place for it. He dusted the new garment down tenderly and hung it on a nail on the wall. Meanwhile, I had shaved and disinfected the operation site on the flank, and everything was ready for the local anesthetic. Siegfried took the syringe and quickly inf infiltrated the area. This is where we go inside, Hubert. I hope you aren't squeamish. The colonel beamed. Oh, I've seen blood before. You didn't worry. I shan't faint. With a bold sweep of the scalpel, Siegfried incised the skin, then the muscles, and finally, with delicate care, the glistening peritoneum. The smooth wall of the rumen, that's the large first stomach, lay exposed. Siegfried reached for a fresh scalpel and looked for the best place to cut in. 
But as he poised his knife, the wall of the room suddenly bulged out through the skin incision. Unusual, he muttered. Probably a bit of ruminal gas. Unflurried, he gently thrust back the protrusion and prepared again to make his cut. But as with, as he withdrew his hand, the rumen swelled, uh, welled out after it, a pinkish mass bigger than a football. Siegfried pushed it back, and it shot out again immediately, ballooning to a startling size. This time, he took two hands to the job, pushing and pressing till he forced the thing once more out of sight. He stood with a moment for a moment with his hands inside the cow, breathing heavily. Two beads of sweat trickled down his forehead. Carefully, he withdrew his hands. Nothing happened. It must have settled down. He was reaching back for his knife when, like a live thing, the rumen again came leaping and surging out. It seemed almost as though the entire organ had escaped through the incision. A slippery, gleaming mass, rising and swelling till it was level with his eyes. Siegfried had dropped all pretense of calm and was fighting desperately, both <laughs> arms around the thing, pressing downwards with all his strength. I hastened forward to help, and as I drew near, he whispered hoarsely, "What? What is it? Clearly he was wondering if this pulsating heap of tissue was some part of the bovine anatomy he had never ever even heard of. Silently, we fought the mass down till it was level with the skin. The colonel was watching intently. He hadn't expected the operation to be so interesting. His eyebrows were slightly raised. It must be the cast is doing this, panted Siegfried. Pass me the knife and stand back. He inserted the knife into the room and cut sharply downwards. I was glad... I had moved away because through the incision shot a high-pressure jet of semi-liquid stomach contents, a greenish-brown, foul-smelling cascade which erupted from the depths of the cow as from an invisible pump. The first direct hit was on Siegfried's face. He couldn't release his hold of the rumen or it would have slipped back into the abdomen and contaminated the peritoneum. So he hung on to each side of the opening while the evil torrent poured onto his hair, down his neck, and all over his lovely white smock. Now and then, the steady stream would be varied by a sudden explosion, and it which sent the fermenting broth spouting viciously over everything in the immediate vicinity. Within a minute, the trays with their gleaming instruments were thoroughly covered. The tidy rows of swabs, the snowy tufts of cotton wool, disappeared without trace. But it was the unkindest cut of all when a particularly powerful jet, set, jet sent a liberal spray over the new jacket hanging on the wall. Siegfried's face was too obscured for me to detect any change of expression, but at this disaster, I saw real anguish in his eyes. The colonel's eyebrows were now raised to the maximum, and his mouth hung open as he gazed in disbelief at the chaotic scene. Siegfried, still hanging grimly on, was the center of it all, paddling about in a reeking swamp which came halfway up his Wellington boots. He looked like a Fiji Islander with his hair stiffened and frizzled and his eyes rolled whitely in his brown face. Eventually, the flood slowed to a trickle and stopped. I was old, able to hold the lips of the wound while Siegfried inserted his arm and felt his way to the reticulum. I watched him as he groped inside the honeycombed organ far out of sight against the diaphragm. A satisfied grunt told me he had located the piercing wire and within seconds he had removed it. Tristan had been frantically salvaging and washing suture material and soon the incision in the rumen was stitched. Siegfried's heroic stand had not been in vain. There was no contamination of the peritoneum. Silently and neatly, he secured the skin and muscles with re uh, retention sutures and swabbed around the wound. Everything looked fine. The cow seemed unperturbed. Under the anesthetic, she had known nothing of the titanic struggle with her insides. In fact, 
Freed from the discomfort of the transfixing wire, she appeared already to be feeling better. It took quite a time to tidy up the mess, and the most difficult job was to make Siegfried presentable. We did our best by swilling him down with buckets of water, while all the time he scraped sadly at his new jacket with a flat stick. It didn't make much difference. The colonel was hearty and full of congratulations. Come in, my dear chap. Come in and have a drink. But the invitation had a hollow ring, and he took care to stand at least ten feet away from his friend. Siegfried threw his bedraggled jacket over his shoulder. No, thank you, Herbert. It's most kind of you, but we must be off. He went out of the byre. I think you'll find the cow will be eating in a day or two. I'll be back in a fortnight to take out the stitches. In the confined space of the car, Tristan and I were unable to get as far away from him as we would have liked. Even with our <laughs> heads stuck out of the windows, it was still pretty bad. Siegfried drove for a mile or two in silence. Then he turned to me and his streaked features broke into a grin. There was something indomitable about him. You never know what's around the corner in this game, my boys. Just think of this. The operation was a success. Well, I love you, and uh, good to visit with you guys. I'll talk to you next time.